Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solution Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a special quick take episode of the pod where for about 20, 25 minutes, we're featuring an RSPA member who will speak at Retail Now 2023. If you're not familiar with Retail Now, it's the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference and networking event scheduled for July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail Now will feature five education tracks and more than 20 education sessions, including one we'll discuss today, using KPIs, that's key performance indicators, using KPIs to drive results in your business. Our special guest to discuss his presentation and a few other topics is Tom Bronson, the founder and president of consulting firm Mastery Partners. Tom, welcome back to the Trusted Advisor. It is so good to be back here with you on your podcast. You've been on mine so many times, but I always enjoy speaking to the RSPA community. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Always a pleasure to uh, help out the community. Tom, do you have any idea how many times we've appeared on a podcast together, either you on this one or me on the Maximize Business Value podcast? I know exactly. Nine. No, do you really? (laughs) Well, what I did learn a long time ago, Jim, is that uh, when, I, I don't know if you know this about me, at one point in my past, I was a preacher. And, you know, there are a lot of names in the Old Testament that are hard to pronounce. But what I learned from an old pastor is that if you just say the answer with authority, you pronounce the name with authority, it will make those old people who think they know how to pronounce it uh, <laughs> think again about that. So so the answer is nine, Jim. <laughs> Well, fabulous. I thought you wouldn't know, and it sounds like you don't know, but you're acting like you know. It's the same thing with officiating. If you can't see the call, you just blow that whistle as hard as you can, signal the the foul, you know, you just do it, uh, act like you know where you're going. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't know. Nine, though. You've been on mine, I think, five times. I know I've been on this one at least four. So. Yeah, I, I knew it was closer to 10 than it was to one, but... Uh, <laughs> for those who are scoring at home, if you know, let us know. Please reach out sir, for Tom and me so we can we can be filled in. I tried doing Google searches, but uh, it came up too many uh, too much information because we've done a lot of work together. So yes, we have. All right. Well, let's get to my first question because KPIs is a subject you're speaking on at Retail Now. Like you had a choice of a whole bunch of different subjects in the world. Why would you want to talk KPIs? What do you think KPIs are so important that VARs and ISVs need to understand? Well, so KPIs to me are sort of a scorecard for where you're going, for where you want the business to go. It's like having a, a driving a car without an instrument panel if you don't have KPIs. You know, of course, the 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 indicator on your dashboard that everybody pays attention to is the speedometer. If you don't have one of those, it's really easy to to have uh, uh, one of our friends in in blue come and and tell us how fast we were going, right? Uh, but you know, there are all kinds of instruments on your dashboard to tell you the performance of the car, how much gas we have in the tank, uh, you know, how fast we're going, what the RPMs are. I still don't know what that means. But I mean, I know it's revolutions mm-hmm. per minute, but but I don't know how that equates to anything. Uh, you know, what gear we're in, all of those kind of things. And so so if you uh, if you turn all of that off, and this has happened to me before, I've lost the electronics in a car and, and just driven completely blind. Well, you know, you don't really know how fast you're going. You don't know if there's any gas in the tank. You don't, you know, you're, you're trying to drive your car in a blind fashion. And I think operating a business without KPIs is sort of the same thing, you know. 
you you establish KPIs based on your business. And I'm a big fan of KPIs being individualized for your business. What are the important things that you know are drivers in your business? And then setting a goal for where you want to be and then relentlessly measuring that uh, target every week, every month, every quarter, whatever it is that you're measuring that target against. And the KPIs will tell you how well we're performing at trying to achieve a target. Now, a lot of businesses don't set targets. You know, they don't set a budget. They don't know what their revenue is going to be. But again, to me, that could be like driving without a speedometer because if you don't know what, you know, if you can't predict what your revenue is going to be, how do you know how many people you need in your business? How do you know when you need to hire the next person? How do you know when something needs to be automated? Uh, and uh, and so, so having the KPIs really gives you uh, a, a picture of how you're doing against a measured target. Uh, and I do find that business owners that, that have a scorecard or that measure KPIs on a consistent basis outperform businesses that don't because they're just driving aimlessly anyway. You know, I, I, my favorite saying is, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Uh, who said that, Jim? Who said that? I don't know. You got me stumped. On the Cheshire cat for crying out loud. It wasn't really. All right. Was. So, so, yeah, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And so that's the way it is if you don't have KPIs. Uh, maybe you have a target, but you're not measuring how you perform against it. And therefore, you don't know until you get to the end whether or not you hit that target. Well, wouldn't it be great if you had these little checkpoints, whether they're weekly or monthly, to determine are, are we on track or are we off track? Because if we're yeah. off track, let's figure out how to get back on the track. And the, and the earlier you know that, the better off you are. That's a really long answer to that, but I just they're, they're just better run businesses if they measure KPIs. No, but that's helpful because I've used the analogy of, you know, if you're driving on the highway and all things are great, well, if you start pulling off on the berm, right, you get that, you know, you start hearing that noise and the gravel kicks up. But if you don't have KPIs to measure, wow, our sales are not trending where they were or our profit isn't where it is, you can get to the point you're not only on the berm, you're not only off the road, you could be back in the forest, right in the woods there. And it's yes. almost impossible to get, you're going to have your vehicles going to be so damaged. You're not going to be able to get it back on the road. So KPIs can correct you when you're on the berm to very quickly and easily get back on course in terms of where you want to be or where you at least should be yeah. going. Yeah, you can't manage a business by gut feel, which is what a lot of folks used to. I remember being at an RSP Inspire event and they had everybody take a survey, you know, like one of those things you could press a button. Uh, it was even before smartphones. So it was that. And it was who does monthly financial statements. And the number of folks in the room who didn't was shockingly high. Again, I'm going back like 10 or 12 years ago. I think folks are more sophisticated now, but I don't th I think there are more KPIs folks folks need to to measure. I'm guessing That's, you're bumping into the same thing. Not oh, enough I folks do. are measuring the right things. Yeah, I, I I still find that, you know, Jim, if you if you interviewed the the entire universe of of uh, VARs at at RSPA. I think you might be amazed at the number that still don't look at financials on a monthly basis. And and I have a a thought about why that is. Um, they they mostly measure their business based on their bank account. Now let me be clear: bank balance, cash balance is mm -hmm. a great KPI. You should be measuring that because 
the number one reason businesses go out of business is they run out of cash uh, and so are access to cash. And so cash is an important one, but you can't measure the business exclusively based on cash. Uh, but I suspect that a lot of business owners uh, just are not comfortable with the financials because they don't understand some of the line items, what they mean, right? I, the most common thing I get from business owners is I don't even really understand how to read my balance sheet. So we sit down and we talk through what it is, right? And how it works and whatnot. And once you get comfortable with looking at the numbers on a monthly basis, you can start seeing anomalies that, that are up or down based on what you normally see on your financials. But the only way to get there is look at the financials on a regular basis. You can't look at them once a year and remember what happened nine months ago, right? And so, right. so that's a, to me, I use the financial statement almost as a KPI, but it certainly should give you some of the data to fill in your KPIs. Yeah, and I can say I've told you on your podcast before, I was self-employed from 1993 to 1998, and all I ever did was I had my checkbook, like my physical checkbook, and that's how I measured my business. So I feel the pain of the small business owners out there who don't know, or they just have so much, uh, so many other things to do. So, well, let's yep. get into your session and how it's going to help sure. folks. So the description for your session says, we'll mine the 2023 RSP Retail IT Channel KPI study to find benchmarks and teach you how to use KPIs to dramatically improve your business outcomes. Now, one thing to clarify, it says we will mine the study, M-I-N is in Nancy, not mime, though that would be an interesting uh, thing to work in you miming the KPI study. But uh, so beyond that clarification, can you give us like a nugget from the KPI study that maybe you and I can hash through today and it'll kind of be a glimpse of yeah. what you're going to talk about at Retail Now? Well, you've just given me a great idea. I think we'll hire Marcel Marceau to come in and mime the entire presentation that I give, right? <laughs> this is the way they should be. <laughs> so uh, crushing down. Uh, what, I, what, I've really, what I'd really like to talk about today, though, is the recurring revenue, because that is always just a giant topic of, of conversation in and around uh, the RSPA community. Um, you know, we were... We were one of the pioneers of recurring revenue back in the day. We started doing recurring revenue and measuring our recurring revenue in 2001 when I bought uh, into the channel, right? Okay, and, back at Granberry, correct? Or was this yeah, pre-Granberry? Okay. Yeah, this, no, that was in Granberry. So that's when I actually was introduced to the channel. In fact, uh, when, when we record this, it, it's not related to the date that it's going to be released, I know, but we are on Thursday this week, the 25th will be the 22nd anniversary of the date I bought Granberry Solutions uh, and so and started building uh, that business. And we immediately started working on recurring revenue because I, I know what that can do to, uh, to the outcome of a business. Um, but so there's always ways to improve recurring revenue and always ways to think about things that so many business owners, even in our space, go, well, there's no way I can do that in recurring revenue. Yes, there is. I, I'm here to tell you that, that I have yet to find something that we couldn't figure out how to convert into a recurring revenue uh, basis. Yes, very difficult. In some industries, very difficult. But in, but in this community, the RSPA community, there are tons of ways to build recurring revenue. And so, so what I'd like to hone in on today is one of the things like the progress toward 
uh, continual improvement in recurring revenue. And, and I, it jumps to that, that question that you asked there. I'm sorry, the glasses keep going on and off. I can't read this without it. By the way, great study, uh, just chock full of great data uh, every year, like it always is. But the question was, uh, in, which of the following statements best describes your business in regards to a transition to the as a service slash recurring revenue business model? 100% uh, completely transition, meaning all customers pay a fee, extremely limited project work, you know, and then it goes through that list. And so, so the way I would think about that question as it relates to establishing a KPI is I'm a, I'm a reseller in the space. Uh, in the uh, you know reselling to restaurants or grocery or or hardware stores or liquor stores or whatever it is, and I would say, okay, where where am I today in terms of the percentage of my customers that have uh, that are paying us some sort of recurring payment, whether that's credit card processing or uh, whether we've converted our support and help desk to uh, to recurring revenue, if we're doing some add-on products like uh, online ordering or or um, smartphone apps or or marketing services or or whatever, you know, even even supplies. If if I'm selling them paper, supplies can become a recurring revenue uh, item if you if you understand how to manage that. But where am I? And then you use the study to then go in and figure out, you know, where is the industry? Um, you know, the ones that uh, the ones that are always an anomaly to me, Jim, and the ones that are just a head scratcher for me. The reason I don't have any hair is the is the answer. I have no plans to transition to recurring revenue. Two point six percent of our members uh, that responded to this survey say that they're not going to do any recurring revenue. But let's say that I'm sort of transitioned. I'm doing maybe, you know, 16% of my um, uh, clients are doing recurring revenue and I'd like to move up. Well, then you can just do the math here based on the KPI and say, okay, I'm in sort of the bottom quartile of resellers that have converted their business. And there are a lot of people above me who've gone, you know, to, you know, 40 to 60%, 51 to, to 84%, and then basically 100%. Who can I learn from in the industry to try and then get my percentage of customers up? I totally get the fact that, that, we have a there are still a lot of legacy customers in the space customers that bought their product uh on a on a uh, hardware software you know professional services one-time purchase and then they choose whether or not they're going to pay us for support and and uh on an annual basis and they keep using you know i i probably still have or when I sold Granberry, we probably still had, you know, a handful of customers still using the DOS-based product that we that we cut off in 2000, right? And so, right. Um, but uh, so knowing that that um, where I am in the industry, where is the industry going, and how can I improve that? How can I go from 16% of my customers to 30% of my customers? the way so many um, other folks in the RSPA have done. So that's when I when I say mine this for good data, 
that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for. And I love the section on recurring revenue. And you and I have had a conversation about potentially tightening that question up a little bit mm -hmm. more. You know, what another uh, key benchmark that I don't get out of the survey this year, but maybe with further analysis, uh, I might be able to arrive at some numbers is what percentage of my revenue today, overall revenue, is recurring revenue. So let's say that I do five million in, in revenue. Uh, and I do a million dollars of that in recurring revenue. So I'm at 20%. Awesome. How can I get that to 22%, to 25%, to 30%? Because it's setting those targets that, um, can you tell I'm passionate? I lean forward. Like, <laughs> by the subject. Uh, it's setting those targets that, that uh, something about doing that, uh, that then get your mind working in that strategic direction. I, I was with a client last week and, and we were, you know, can we get here? And well, I don't know. Well, let's determine how we can get there and let's commit that to the universe. Because if we say, I want to go from 20% to 40% recurring revenue, which is a giant leap. Yeah. Once I articulate that and I've committed it to the universe, You'd be amazed at the things that you start discovering and seeing and 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 doing in your business to move that needle. It was the same thing. Um, I bought from an RSPA uh, member uh, an Audi uh, S8, my the by far my favorite car I've ever driven. Just got it uh, earlier this year from him, uh, and and I never noticed Audis on the road. Never noticed them, but now that I have one, all the time. That's, that's all I see. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same thing when you when you commit to building that recurring revenue uh, and set a target out there, you suddenly start seeing other ways uh, to do that. And that's how I like to use KPIs. And that's how you can mine that. That's just one thing. I mean, you've got yeah. lots of great questions in here, but that's just one thing. So I'll well, shut up and let you ask me another question. No, I'm glad you get, I'm happy for you to give the, the longer answer because that's, again, what your session is going to do is not just let's flip through the port and talk about a couple things like let's really dive deep and then how's it going to impact your business and to your point if you know if you can measure it you can manage it and so a lot of times i think folks who aren't measuring things aren't used to measuring things they just say we're going to do the best that we can and you think you're doing the best that you can but without that laser focus on it you're not going to know hey it feels like we're doing better well if the numbers say you're not doing that much better the other thing is I actually just talk to a reseller about this small very small reseller just took over the business and they saw everything about recurring revenue and they're like we're we're going to do that right away. Well, to your point, if you measure that out and say, okay, we're going to go from 10% to 90% from a recurring revenue standpoint, then you'd get to say, well, let's also look at that. If you do that, let's go to your KPI of cash flow. If you're not doing project work anymore and you're going to go all the way that quickly, what's that going to do? And this reseller had not done that and said they are struggling just from a cash basis now. Is that that one KPI of you know ARR, annual recurring revenue, or MRR, monthly recurring revenue? That's going up. Up, but they didn't measure on the other end how's that going to impact the cash and to your point it gets super tricky and so that's why you can't just measure one you've got to see how these things all work together so i'll pause there and see what are your comments on i guess that story yeah. and how by saying here's going to be my goal it can impact other measurements and you better measure those as well just like if somebody says i want to lose 50 pounds well don't try to do that in two weeks right you right. better do that over a period of time 
Yeah, unless you're committing to liposuction or or if I want to lose, as my dad used to say, if I want to lose 25 pounds of ugly weight, just cut off my head, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, and I can do that in an instant, right? So um, you, you've said a couple of things there that are so very important. Um, number one, the um, trying to convert to recurring revenue model 100% overnight is it takes way more cash than business owners realize when they start the process. But I understood that because we were measuring our cash and we're measuring our recurring revenue. When I made the leap in 2000, I think it was 2006 or seven to doing hardware as a service. So this yeah. was long before, you know, folks figured out how to do that. No, yeah, this is, this is pioneering yeah. stuff. Yeah. You do not have a, yeah. a template to follow. Exactly. When I made the decision that we were going to try and do that, I'm running the math on what is my, first of all, what is my cost to do this and how quickly can I recover my cost, which is a great number to understand, but then how do, how long until I recover all the profit that I would have had, had I sold this upfront in month one, right? That's X number of additional months. And so once I understood the math, and by the way, it was on average about 24 months until I could recover fully the profit that I was giving up. That And that's gross profit, right? Not net profit, the gross profit. But then beyond that 24th month, the, the gross profit on that one sale grows exponentially. Okay, now back up. I need the gross profit from my sales today in order to pay payroll and overhead and hire people and, and do the work that we do and order products. What happens if I give all that up? And I calculated how much cash I needed in order to go to 100% selling in a recurring revenue model. And, I, and it was too much. It was, it was gonna choke me. We were selling at the time between 20 and 30 new systems a month. And the, and the cash that I would give up from that back in that day was, was going to be enough to put me out of business. I'd right. have great recurring revenue and I'd be out of business in less than a year. And so once I put the model together, I went out to the sales team and explained it to them and they got all hot and frothy. You mean customer can buy a three station system and, and you know, let's go back to where we were in time. Instead of spending $15,000, they can send, you know, send us $600 a month. And uh, yep, you can do that. I said, two systems a month. That's all I will take yeah. orders for. Two yeah. systems a month. I can't convert the bulk of my business, but over time it would start growing and growing. Yes. To the point that when I crossed the Rubicon of, of, of start making money on those sales that I sold 24 months ago, then I could increase faster and faster. By the end, you know, we were nearly 100% of our customers buying that way. We still had some legacy customers that weren't. But what happened was over that period of time, Jim, from 2001 to about 2006, when we really started to convert more recurring revenue, we'd grown our recurring revenue from 4%, 4% in 2001 when I bought the company to about 36% by 2006, which is still good. But I wanted to get to that. I wanted to convert the rest of that business. And so then from 2006 until when we sold the company in 2018, we took that 36% 
and it turned into 72%. When I sold the company, we were 72% recurring revenue. And there, there was still more room for growth in that. Uh, but uh, it was a nice, comfortable mix for us of people, you know, paying up front for some services and doing yeah. some custom work and things like that, uh, that I didn't want to do on recurring revenue. But Imagine, if you will, a buyer comes in to look at our business. What is a buyer buying? And that's the future cash flow of that business. A, a business that's doing 71% recurring revenue, they know what the future cash flow is going to be. Uh, and therefore, it made it very easy. And so we got a high multiple uh, yeah. for our business. And so, but at the same time, one of the things that gave me great comfort from about 2008 onward was you know, twice a month, we actually had customers that we were billing our recurring on the first and on the 15th, twice a month, we push a button and millions of dollars were flowing into our bank account. I didn't have to worry about whether or not I could keep the lights on, whether yeah. I was going to take payroll. That was, that was just no longer something that kept me up at night. I converted yeah. so much of our business to that recurring revenue model. But again, the caution that you raise is super valid, especially for that for that 2.6% of bars that don't do any recurring revenue today, you have to kind of slow step into this or you're going to kill yourself in terms of yep. cash flow uh, and understand where that balance comes. And the only way to get there is to do the math, right? Yes. Do the math and understand where it is. Uh, and let me ask you, this is my last question on KPIs before we before we go to commercial and talk about something else. Maybe it's just because my daughter just finished up track season, but I'm almost thinking about this as you're talking about it. All these business owners are going to the starting line, but there's this giant curtain about 10 yards in front of them. And they say, ready, set, go. Well, if you don't know what's beyond that curtain, are you running the 100 meter dash? Are you running the hurdles? right? Are you running the 3,200? Are you running a marathon? You do not know how fast you need to run or what shoes you need to wear, right? Or equipment or anything of that nature, right? So if you don't know the details around it, the numbers, you're not going to know how to pace yourself or anything, right? And even if it's you run one lap and then they announce at the end of that first lap, right? Either, oh, I guess you lost because it was a 400 meter. Or if they say, guess what? You have a thousand more laps to go. I don't know how you feel about that in terms of, but it just made me think you just can't be running, running, running. You've got to know how fast you have to go and what your splits should be from a, a KPI standpoint. Oh, totally. You know, I, I would even go one step further, you know, when you bust pun, out that, pun intended one step yeah, further when yeah, we're talking about uh, yes exactly so uh so I, I i one giant leap further maybe is that once you bust through that curtain you realize that there is no light you, you're <laughs> running in total darkness am yes. i supposed to be running around a track now am i running in a field <laughs> am i am i going to run into water at some point am i going to hit a wall at 50 miles an hour by the way, if you can run 50 miles an hour, I think that's your daughter. She's probably pretty. Good. <laughs> uh, so, so, but you know, it's it is yes, I I totally agree. If you don't if you don't set those KPIs, you are just running in the dark, or you're or you're running, you're running a race that you don't even understand what the rules are. You know, yeah. it's it's like it's like sitting down uh, to play a, a card game, and you have to figure out the rules as you go along. Yep. You know, how will you ever understand you're going to get beat every time until eventually you figure it out. And and so the KPIs 
will give you sort of those guardrails that'll give you, you know, some ideas about where you need to go. It doesn't tell you everything in the world you need to know about your business, uh, but, but KPIs are a great yardstick to use to determine, are we on track for where we want to be? You know, back up, let's, let's determine where we want to be. Are we on track or, or are we running off the rails somewhere and, and off in the middle of the woods and don't even yeah. realize it? Yeah, they, they help you channel your energy towards a certain goal as opposed to just, like you said, running around in circles in the dark. So, all right, well, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are CoCard, Heartland, ScanSource, and Star Micronics. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. Again, that's membership at gorspa.org. And Tom, since we're at our commercial break, I'll give you a chance to do a commercial for uh, your books and your podcast. Awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, Mastery Partners, we are dedicated to educating business owners on how to improve the value of their business so that they will eventually be able to transition their business on their terms. A hundred percent of every business on the planet will eventually transition. And wouldn't it be better to do it by your design rather than by default? You referenced already, you know, I've written uh, two books on the subject. The first book, Maximize Business Value, Begin with the Exit in Mind, is all about business strategy and why you should be thinking about the exit, even, you know, if you're 20 years from making an exit. But then rapidly becoming my favorite is the Maximize Business Value Playbook, which is 65 specific actions business owners can do to maximize the value of their business. One of those chapters is dedicated to recurring revenue. Uh, and so uh, so you can find that at our website, masterypartners.com. We've got links to both books, uh, but also uh, go listen to our podcast. I think we're up to like episode 160 or something like that. Uh, and if, if uh, let's see, the first person that can go and, and email me the list of all the podcasts that I've done that Jim Roddy's been on on my <laughs> podcast, then I'll send you a signed copy of both of my books. How's that? There <laughs> we go. A reward for your research. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's probably, it'd be easier to just go buy one on Amazon probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but if you can get it for free and get an autograph from Tom, I mean, it's going to be worth it. So, well, well if, you, if you come to RSPA, the, the retail now, I'll be there and I'll sign it for you. <laughs> fabulous. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, let's shift gears. You brought up maximized business value, led you right into that. Uh, and so can you talk about that a little bit? And I know that the list of actions that a business owner can take to maximize their business value, right? It's a super long list. It's even longer than the list of recurring revenue products and services. But because you've counseled so many VARs and ISVs, what what is the most common mistake that you see them make that negatively impacts their business value? I think the, the most common thing that I see, particularly among VARs, uh, is owner dependency. You know, stop and ask yourself this question. What would happen to my business and to my family if something happened to me, if I didn't make it to work tomorrow, right? Uh, and, uh, and that's a very sobering thought for a lot of our VARs out there. Um, it, do things in, to eliminate the, the dependence of you or of the business on you. Uh, it, Cause that is a, it, 
Let's face facts. Every business owner starts the business after what Michael Gerber would call an entrepreneurial seizure, right? You know, <laughs> you're not really a business person. You just, you see a need and you start a business because you're good at X or you inherited it from X and, and then you're out there doing it, but you're not really a business person, but you're really, really good at what you do. Um, and find, you have to find ways to teach other people how to do those things so that you can step back and focus on the strategic things like the KPIs, right? Like where am I going with this business? And businesses that are owner dependent, especially small businesses, think about a VAR, a $2 million VAR or a million dollar VAR that's dependent on that owner and something happens to that owner, that business might be worth nothing. I've seen, nothing. It, I've seen it happen in our industry. Business owner dies. And the business, no, there's nobody there to take care of the customers and the business basically evaporates overnight. What's well, worth nothing. Um, so, so working on the business, that's the number one thing that I see that business owners do in this space. They, they like being the kingpin. They like being the funnel of all the decisions in the business. They like talking with their customers, but the more they can peel back, and and put other people in place and teach other people how you want things done, uh, then the the more valuable the business becomes uh, over time. A business that don't no longer needs the owner increases the value exponentially. So I, it's interesting you bring this up. Our last episode, which you haven't listened to yet because it hasn't gone public, you know. By the time we're recording this, uh, Rick Fueling, who's presenting at Retail Now, and he talked about that is where he is focusing a ton of his energy, is teaching his team. And it's more important for him not to answer the question, but to help people think better, right? And so to guide them in their thinking so they'll be able to think on their own and be able to answer those questions um, yep. on their own. So perfect, perfect dovetail into uh, to what you're saying today. Yeah, and Rick's a really smart guy, and so uh, so he's I know he's doing things right. But if you if you don't take the time to teach people, you know, and th this would be a bonus thing is documenting your processes, right, and making sure that everybody's doing yes. things the same way. Uh, if you don't do that, then running your business is sort of like a corporate version of the telephone game that we played when we were kids. You know, you mm -hmm. sat in a circle and you whispered something, and by the time <laughs> it gets around to you, it's something totally different, right? Well, that's the way it works in business. If you're not documenting the processes, if you're not, uh, and that goes for the business owner too, documenting how he does things so somebody else can do them. Uh, you know, you you hire, you start your business, you going well, you realize you need to hire somebody, you hire somebody and you teach them how to do things. And then the business is going better. And then you realize you need to hire somebody. So you tell that person, go hire somebody and teach them how to do things and so on and so forth until, you know, down the road a year, two years, whenever it is, business owner circles back and goes, why are you doing this this way? Well, that's right. the way I ought to do it. Well, if you don't document things, if you right. don't teach people how to do things, then that's what happens. And suddenly your the the vision that you had for how you want to deliver to your customers, for for how you want to carry out your business is now somewhere gone and and people are doing things in a way that you would never want them to do yes. those things. So 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 document those processes. And that goes to the business owner as well. Uh, you know, start with documenting your own things. What is it that you do as a business owner that nobody else knows how to do in this business? Document those because if something happens to you tonight, 
tomorrow, at least somebody's got a starting point. Yep. And I can say we have a lot of processes inside the RSPA. And it's super helpful to be able to say, how do we do this last year, right? Like we're going through the process of our uh, annual board meeting at retail now. It's so great to go to that checklist and go, what needs to be done by when, as opposed to, oh my gosh, we're late, or I can't remember uh, how to do that. Can I? Have I ever told you my Michael Gerber podcast story? I don't know if I ever shared that with you. I don't think so. So when I was at Business Solutions Magazine, this is when I was chair of the RSPA. So I'm thinking it was 2015, 2016. He was the keynote speaker. We had to do our rehearsals at the same time. So he got to see me rehearse. And so I got to meet him, uh, hanging out with him and Steve Kuntz uh, from Blue Star for a little bit. Like I was like, man, hanging out with like titans of the business world. Like, this is great. And then I reached out to Michael afterwards and sent him a copy of my first book, Hire Like You Just Beat Cancer, and talked about how it was very system-based. Well, he reached out to me and said, I want to do a podcast cast with you that go that focuses on your audience at business solutions magazine i was like is this a prank like what in the world and so he and i did record a few episodes together maybe six or seven of of them was a plan like we're just doing a short run of what it is but the first episode i did with him tom we had rehearsed it and he gave this whole you know what he was going to say and i was going to ask him this question about hey why don't we do this and he totally set me up where i asked that question he said Jim, have you been listening to anything I've been saying? That's completely wrong. <laughs> and this is in an audio format. I'm sitting in the podcast studio like, we rehearsed this. <laughs> like, why did you say that before we went live? And that's how we did it. It was a live webinar. We had 300 something people, Tom, and then we recorded as a podcast and then pushed out afterwards. So that's my, uh, <laughs> it's my lasting memory. But Michael Gerber, man, that guy is off stage the same way he is on stage like he is super focused on making businesses better but i just love that moment like that guy i think he sleeps in that white suit and hat you know the white suit and the fedora yes yeah exactly right pretty confident that he does yeah (laughs) or the panama hat i think that's what it's a panama hat yeah yeah Yeah. no he's he's a legend so yeah no that's my that's my brush with greatness well i will tell you that uh that that keynote that he gave at the rspa had a, a massive impact on me and i don't even know what year that was was that you know, maybe. I think it was 2015 or 2016. No, I think it was earlier than that. Wasn't it earlier than that? Um, anyway, but it hey, had Tom, a Tom, ma- you said earlier at this podcast, if you answer something definitively, oh, yes, the I other know. person will believe you. But you didn't answer it definitively. You said, I think it was 2050. No, you say <laughs> it was 2012, Bronson. And then and then I would go, oh, okay. Well, it probably was. <laughs> so don't be wishy-washy in your answer. So, uh, so, but he said something there because, as you know, uh, and and folks who are listening to this who know me, know that my wife is a professional musician. He made he drew an analogy there uh, about for those of you who've ever studied or read any of Michael's books, you know that he was a musician growing up. Right. And uh, and he had an opportunity. I'll just a very brief story here. He had an opportunity to study with an amazing musician. His parents arranged for him to be able to study with an amazing musician in Southern California. And when he went, you know, that first lesson, basically, uh, he didn't like the the teacher's style and he was questioning him on the style. And he's even a teenager at this time. And the basically the teacher said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that my job is to not teach you how to play. My job is for you to play until the music finds you. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. So you just keep working at it until the music finds you. Yes, right? I love it. I love but it. You, but if you stop working at it, the music will never find you, right? <laughs> just like our business. You have to yes. work on it 
or the success will never find us. Amen. So. Amen. I have one more question for you, but I also want to let you know it was 2015. I just toggled over. I happen to have opened up on another screen um, something that let me know when, who all the past chairs were for the RSPA. And I was 2014, 2015. So that was the only time I would have been up on that main stage there. So there you go. Well, I'm going to go fact check you on this after this podcast. I'm sure we'll have to do an update if uh, if that's wrong. I'll give you I'll give you a free bag of M&Ms if I'm wrong. How about oh, that? Perfect. Will that make you feel better? Yes. <laughs> I mean, bag of M&Ms makes everybody feel better, doesn't it? Sure, sure. I've actually got a book on my shelf, Maximize Business Value. I'll get send you a copy uh, okay. if 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 you're right. So could you get it um, signed for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that book, so the, near the end of it, I wanted to share this quote and get your perspective on. It. Again, you wrote this, but I really love this quote. You said, "Dad always gave us the same answer. Sounds interesting. Why don't you give it a try?" So we did, and so. I end most of my presentations imploring the audience to try, test, measure, adapt, right? Try, test, measure, adapt. And it seems like your KPI presentation is going to really focus on the measure part of that as well. So can you talk about the importance of business leaders never losing that entrepreneurial edge, or as like he says, Michael Gerber calls it, having that entrepreneurial seizure from time to time? How important is it from your perspective as a business leader, as somebody who built up a, a software developer company before selling it, how important is it to always try new things? I think it's paramount. Uh, you know, I'm uh, the, the, the last, that was actually out of my, my first book, Maximize Business Value, Begin With the Exit in Mind. Um, and a, a corollary to that is at the end of the second book, which is be a lifelong learner. You can't learn things if you don't try new things, right? If you don't, you know, if you read a book, don't try to digest an entire book and, and implement everything in the book, right? Pick the one thing that you're going to do, but then try it and then measure it and adjust and try it again and keep trying until you find things that are right. Um, that's the way that I grew up. You know, it was a reference. The reference in the book is my dad, you know, talking with my brother and I, that he would just let us go out and try things. Even if he thought they were harebrained ideas, uh, he would let us go try things because you, you're never going to get that breakthrough moment unless you try something. Right. And so, and you never know when that breakthrough moment was, is going to happen. I didn't know that when I first started doing recurring revenue in the in my little software company back in 2001 that that was going to cause a breakthrough that would really transform our business but I knew it was going to be important and something that would build value and but over time it really turned into something quite amazing and so so yeah I'm a big fan learn things and that's why you go to the RSPA right go learn something and put it into practice. There are so many opportunities to learn things at the at the retail now, so many educational, although I really feel bad for the guys that are gonna be competing against my <laughs> because everybody's gonna to come to mine and then nobody will be in the other <laughs> sessions. But uh, sorry, sorry guys, you know, for doing for Jim putting me against you, right? So uh, but uh, but go learn something in every session you go to, just one thing, yeah. put it into practice. If you do that and you go to you know, five or six educational sessions during the, I don't know how many are available, but if you go to five or six and you pick one thing out of each one that you're going to implement, it's going to have a major impact on your business. Yes. 
Yep. And that's why we always recommend to folks to bring at least two people from your organization, right? You'll have, you can double the number of education sessions you're able to attend, and then you can go and collaborate. We don't just say that for retail now, we say that for really any event uh, that you go to. So Tom, uh, one thing I like is we've totally obliterated the quick take uh, format here. Uh, we're moving in. We're well beyond the 20, 25 minutes. We're but well into overtime now. These are yes. these are the extra minutes if you're playing uh, uh, international football. So yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're well into stoppage time. But my last yeah. question for you is, uh, you mentioned Retail Now. So look, why do you attend Retail Now every year? Because I'm a big fan of sharpening the saw, that I, I'm a lifelong learner. I have yet to come to a retail now that I haven't learned something significant that changed the trajectory of my business. Even now as a consultant, going and interacting with folks and having an opportunity to get together with the brain trust of our industry, it's all these business owners and, and VARs and, and ISVs and manufacturers and distributors something magical happens when you get all these brains kind of moving in the same direction and it gives you a chance to interact and talk. So to me, it's that it's coming to learn something, but also coming to network with folks because you're, you're going to learn something that if you just take it back and imply, you know, deploy it in your business, you never know what the outcome is going to be. Be intentional, come and with an open mind and ready to learn. Fabulous. Thank you for that. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you in Orlando. Well, that does it for this episode of the Trusted Orlando? Advisor. In Orlando? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wait, you better make sure you get your flight to Orlando or else your presentation, you're going to be in the yeah. wrong part of the country. I'll see you in June in Orlando. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Pay no attention to that guy. <laughs> Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. Again, we hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And be sure to register for Retail Now 2023. It's July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. I'm repeating that for Tom's benefit. July 30th through August 1st, 2023. This year, Tom at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. We're going to have a diverse high-tech expo hall, plenty of networking opportunities, and several great education sessions, including, if he shows up, using KPIs to drive results in your business. Tom will get lost along the way. At least that'll explain it. For all oh, the details, we're going to just play this podcast for them in the room. <laughs> <laughs> we could. It's going to fill up the time. It's going to get close to the hour instead of the quick take portion of it. So, right. <laughs> well, for all the details, visit the show website at gorspa.org forward slash retail now. So before we go, big thanks again to Tom for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSP Director of Marketing, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal in the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail IT ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.